This is the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. We're a church passionate about encountering Jesus and sharing his love with our city. To find out more about who we are, visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk. How are you doing? Happy New New Year, Ali. Did you have a good time off? Uh, Yeah, I had a great time. Happy New Year, Becca. Um, It's funny because we are brother and sister and we see each other every day, but we seem to have taken a Christmas holiday from each other. Um, So, yeah, genuinely, I've only seen you like once or twice since Christmas. Yeah, when we were at the Tim Hortons last week, that was literally the first time that I'd seen you guys. I was like, Happy New Year in the car park. Yeah, that was it. It's really bad. We, I think, but probably well needed. We live in each other's pockets. And we live like 100 paces, like our houses are 100 paces apart. So, yeah, we spend a lot of time together and we work together. Um, so, Ali, um, if you haven't met him, he is our interim senior pastor at the moment, normally assistant pastor with his lovely wife, Fiona. Um, but while our senior pastor, Hannah, is on maternity leave with the beautiful Phoebe, um, Ali and Fiona are stepping up and stepping out. Um, so let's just pray for Ali Um, before we start. Heavenly Father, thank you so much um, for Ali and for the um, gift of the word that he's about to bring. Um, Lord, I pray that everything that is um, not of you would just fall to the ground, Lord, and that you would um, just really shine through in in the message this morning. I just pray for boldness for Ali to speak your truth, and um, yeah, we just pray your blessing upon him and his family. Um, In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Becca. Yes, uh, well, I am very aware that in the uh, the Sterling Vineyard of maybe a year ago, um, I would have five minutes um, to uh, to give you my synopsis of Acts chapter 9. It might take a little bit longer, but we will, uh, we might have to whistle through some of the stuff, but it's just that time of worship and ministry was just so brilliant. Thank you so much uh, for those words that you that you brought and for the response uh, this morning, that was really, really cool. Um, so yeah, so as Becca said, I'm Ali. Um, it is wonderful, genuinely wonderful to be back here um, after what has felt like a very long time. The 17th of December was the last time that we were together. Um, and such is the way of a church without a true home. Uh, we're not in Stirling, but we are in Dunblane. And I hope that being here isn't too much of a burden for you. Um, I, you know, we, we really love... Um, the city of Stirling, and that is our home, but it is also quite nice to have a little satellite venue out here that we can come to whenever we aren't able to get into the school, and they have exams on at the moment, and the games hall is too cold, apparently, for the children to sit in for their exams, so they're using the assembly hall that we use, and I'm sure that some of you who've been to Stirling High will can, uh, can vouch for that. But yeah, we, you know, as a church, we have grown so much over the last year or so, and um, yeah, we are just so uh, fortunate to have such a wide-ranging congregation covering the whole of the Stirlingshire area, um, and it is really, really exciting to see God drawing uh, in those from within our city, but also uh, those further afield to, uh, like me and Becca, who live in Balfron. Uh, but there are some of you who live even further away than that, which is fantastic. I just wanted to start with a word of encouragement. You know, there's been some really encouraging words this morning. Um, but each one of us here, uh, your, your being here today is significant. It's not by mistake. 
Uh, you're not here by accident, uh, and, and you being here really matters. Being here together matters. You know, in a very short space of time, we've seen Sterling Vineyard develop from being a fledgling church plant to being an established church with such significant potential to impact the city that we serve. And our prayer uh, coming uh, for this year coming is that we would build on the strong roots that we have developed and make strides to meeting the needs of our city and to see the lost come to know Jesus. This isn't going to happen by itself, though, and it's only by our commitment and our obedience to the call of God that we'll see lives transformed. So here we are in a new year, as many have, as have said already this morning, and I'm sure your conversations around the coffee have alluded to. Uh, so I just wanted a quick show of hands, a bit of audience participation this morning, just to sit, check that you are listening. Uh, who here has made a New Year's resolution? Anyone? Anyone bold enough, brave enough? Becca stuck up her hand for like three seconds and then took it down again. I'm not going to ask you what it is, don't worry. So your next, go- okay, yeah, we've got one or two, right, okay. So that makes the next bit a little bit um, more focused, but, you know, we're 14 days in. Are you still on track? Yeah? Excellent. Oh, fantastic. You see, I have a funny relationship with New Year's resolutions. Uh, they are a great way uh, to decide to maybe take up something or give up something. Um, but I do have an annoying habit of breaking them within a week or two and then feeling a little bit lost, you know, without a kind of goal or purpose for the year ahead. Um, perhaps maybe, I, maybe I'm viewing them wrong. Uh, maybe it's that uh, maybe my resolutions are too grand and I don't have the discipline to see them through. But, um, you know, there is a more sustainable way to do it, I'm sure. And, and I like to set little goals throughout the year. Uh, goals that you can measure yourself against. Um, and it's okay when you don't meet them. You know, they're not huge targets, but um, I think that helps with not getting overawed by the enormity of the challenge ahead. So, yeah, so today we are covering, uh, we're continuing in our series of Acts. Um, and throughout this series, we've, we've been taking a closer look at the early church as they do the stuff for the kingdom of God. You know, Becca said it's been a while since Andrew brought us Acts chapter 8. Is that right? Yeah, okay, good. I've been listening to the podcast, so that's good. Uh, and I'll do a really quick whistle-stop tour of the highlights of Acts so far. So it begins, uh, Jesus is risen, which is fantastic. You know, that's the reason that we're here. Uh, and he instructs his disciples t- uh, about uh, the, the life in his kingdom. He promises them the spirit that it will come and immerse them in his presence. Uh, with, with his personal presence, Jesus says that when this happens, the Spirit will empower his disciples to be my witnesses in Ju- Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Then Jesus is taken up away from them in a cloud, and the disciples are left uh, wondering what to do. So they wait until the Feast of Pentecost, when all the Jewish pilgrims from all over the ancient world gather together in the city, and the Holy Spirit comes uh, like a great wind. Um, and the, the disciples and the followers of Jesus quickly expand, and, um, and, but equally as quickly they face hostility from the Jewish leaders. So we have uh, Peter and the other apostles healing people in the temple, and then they get arrested because they've done that, and then um, and the, the, the followers are multiplying as we go, um, and we come to the, the story of Stephen, who's a bold witness for Jesus. And he ends up getting arrested and accused of speaking against uh, the temple. He gives a long speech uh, to to the Jewish leaders about how Israel's leaders have always rejected the messages that God has sent, uh, including Jesus and now his disciples. And and you know what? This really 
gets the Jewish leaders uh, back up and they uh, and they they stone Stephen and he dies um, and thus launches a wave of persecution against Jesus's followers, which drives them out of the city. And so we pick up Acts chapter nine. If you've got your Bible with you or your phone or your um, wherever you, however you're reading your Bible, if you want to turn to Acts chapter nine this morning, we'll pick up the story in verse one. So Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. So here, just in the first couple of verses, we have that the Christians have fled Jerusalem um, which uh, which occurred after Stephen's death, as I said, and 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 Saul is uh, I'm going to say I'm going to mix Saul and Paul up a lot, by the way, during uh, this morning. So just please bear with me and and have some grace. Uh, but uh, he is Saul at this point in the story, and he is undertaking about a 150 mile trek uh, from Jerusalem to Syria uh, to Damascus. You know, we've previously been introduced to Saul at the start of Acts chapter 8, where he is complicit in the killing of Stephen, uh, and he uh, is it's quoted as saying he was going everywhere to destroy the church. So this is a man on a mission. He was so uh, zealous for his Jewish beliefs uh, that he began a campaign against anyone who believed in Christ. But it got me thinking, you know, what, what was it um, about Christians that made Saul so, um, so mad? Was he just being a true Pharisee and upholding the Jewish law, or was he maybe trying to build his reputation, his brand of being the meanest, strictest, baddest Pharisee that there was? Um, I don't know, and I'll let the uh, theologians in the room uh, come up with uh, come up with or tell tell me that I'm wrong. But um, you know, God, I think that here that maybe Paul was in some sort of denial. He that he knew that there was some sort of truth going on, but he. He just wasn't, uh, wasn't for believing it. God was already nudging Saul. He was prodding at him and provoking him in a way that brought out this indignant rage against the growing movement of Christians. And so as he neared the city of Damascus, uh, God had other plans for Saul. And we pick it up in verse 3. It says, as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice but saw no one. Saul picked, up himself, picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. So as Saul traveled to Damascus, pursuing the Christians, he was confronted by the risen Christ and brought face to face with the truth of the good news. Notice how Jesus takes persecution against his church. He takes it really personally, doesn't he? He says, why are you persecuting me? Jesus does not see it as the church, as an it, or, the, or a building that, that people were meeting in, but as me, as, as, a, as a person. Jesus was so un, had united himself to his church that they are one and the same. There's no separation between love for Jesus and commitment to his church. 
you know, I love that, um, I love that here in Sterling Vineyard, we have a culture of service. And, and one of my roles, uh, as unglamorous as it is, is to sort out the Sunday service rota, uh, which is, um, you know, really encouraging uh, to do, actually. You might think that it's not, but it is really encouraging when I come to do it. I'm reminded of just the incredible number of people that we have involved in making a service like this happen on a Sunday morning. You know, Fiona's already talked about next week we're launching our SV Kids uh, new streams by splitting out the age groups. And uh, this week we started our TOTS group. And, um, you know, with the genesis of these new groups and ministries that we would love to see come to fruition in the future, we have an increased need um, for, uh, for volunteers. Um, you know, I don't know how many people are in this room. There's maybe, maybe 78, oh, Becca's, Becca knows the number, 50-something. So there's 50 something people in this room, okay? And there are 58 people serving on our Sunday rota in the course of the next three months, which is just absolutely incredible. So good. So I th- that, is, that is part of this love for, love for the church, this commitment to, 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 the, to the church is demonst- a demonstration of our love for Jesus. And I love that you guys really get that. So Saul's journey towards a relationship with Jesus also comes about in a dramatic way with this booming voice from heaven, brighter than the sun, and addressing him personally by name for all to hear. In Acts 26, uh, verse 14, Paul recounts the encounter with Jesus when he says, We all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. So this last little bit, useless uh, for you to fight against my will, this, is, this isn't in Acts 9, um, but it's really interesting. It shows that God had been pursuing Paul. God's will for Paul's life was for him to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul was fighting against this will. He was determined to forge his own path and create his own legacy, but, but God had other plans. I do wonder, do you ever feel like that sometimes? That you're striving to reach something? Maybe it's the next step in your career or, or that relationship that you long for. You know, have you been pushing to achieve something or, or get somewhere only to feel like you're wading through treacle? Maybe God has other plans for you. It can be so easy to be blinded by the desire of our own hearts that we forget to stop, turn to Jesus and ask him what his will for our lives is. Paul was so metaphorically blinded by his own purpose that it took miraculous intervention on the road to Damascus for him to be literally blinded by the presence of God, for him to turn from his ways and follow Jesus. And that's, that's the first point here. God is pursuing us even when we are blind to it. So what happens when we see the light? Our hearts are changed. That sense of entitlement changes to a sense of wonder. We, we go from saying, I'm better than everyone else and I deserve this next step to, I can't believe that God has saved me. You know, we become, we, we become uh, transparent with, with, our, with our past. And, you know, Paul, Paul was the law and probably thought that he was, in his eyes, blameless and had done no wrong. But he later admitted that he was the chief of sinners. And as our heart changes... We, uh, we are turned from uh, being proud to being gracious and generous. So following his conversion, Paul said that he would die for the church and Christ's followers. And that is a significant turnaround 
from the mission that he set out on at the start of Acts chapter 9. So we are in uh, verse 10, so we're just going to pick up, uh, pick up Acts chapter 9, verse 10. It says, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. Where you, when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord exclaimed Ananias, I have heard many people talk about, talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest any, everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to, the, to kings, as well as the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appears to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterwards, he ate some food and regained his strength. So my next point is that your past does not disqualify you from God's grace. Ananias couldn't believe it when he heard that it was Saul that he was to go and find. He was saying, no, this, you can't, this can't be true, that's impossible. This, this person could never become a Christian. You must have made some sort of mistake, God. How many times have we been praying those prayers? This, this can't be right. There's no way that that is possible. And that, in, in essence, is what Ananias is saying when he's told of Saul's conversion. After all, Saul had pursued the Christians to their death, and, and that's, that's what makes this story so much uh, more remarkable. See, God's grace is there for us all. In, in Ananias' eyes, Saul was the worst of the worst, the meanest, baddest Pharisee that there was. There was no way that he could become a follower. And yet, God's grace transcends our earthly understanding. You know, I, I think there might be a few people who, who need to hear this this morning, that there's nothing that you, could, that you have done that will ever disqualify you from receiving the loving grace of God. To say that what you have done is too big a gap to bridge is to deny the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is not enough to save you, and that just simply isn't true. So God sent his son for all of us, no matter what our past and no matter how we view ourselves, your past does not disqualify you from God's grace. So Ananias found Saul, and he'd, as he'd been instructed and greeted him as brother Saul, Ananias feared this meeting, but in obedience to the Holy Spirit, he uh, greeted Saul lovingly. Despite these understandable misgivings, Ananias obeyed God and ministered to Saul. You know, we must not put limitations on God. He can do anything. We must obey and follow God's leading, even when he leads us to difficult people and difficult places in impossible, seemingly impossible circumstances. And finally, that leads us to, to this point that we must resolve to obey Christ. But when we resolve to obey Christ, there is no limit on your future effectiveness for the kingdom of God. Much like your past not being an inhibitor to receiving God's grace in the first place, our obedience to Christ opens up limitless 
potential for reaching the lost as a follower of Jesus. We talked a little bit earlier about setting New Year's resolutions or goals for the year ahead. Our effectiveness for the kingdom of God is not something that we need to measure using a smart goal. It's not something that is limited by our own understanding, ambition, or status. Saul was headed down a completely different path when Christ intervened. And, and that changed the course of history, not just for Saul, but for the church as a whole. We don't all have to be Saul in this story, though. Maybe we can be Ananias, who, despite his doubts, also obeyed the voice of God and went to meet Saul and minister to him. I don't know who showed more courage in this story, Saul or Ananias. You know, there's great encouragement in this story, and when I think, when I think it comes at a good time of year for us to hear it. Perhaps we're sitting here thinking um, about how you can follow Jesus better this year, or maybe you're feeling a little bit deflated, um, like Dan said earlier, and you're just thinking there's no way that God could use us. You know, we're feeling it's two weeks in and we're all already feeling the burden of the year. And I just want to, this morning, just pray against that. But I think also that there's maybe, if there is one resolution, and, you know, we only had two people put their hands up, so that means there's 50 odd people who could make this resolution if you're looking for one this morning. And that is that uh, if there's one resolution that we can make to start the year, it's to obey the call of God and let the rest take care of itself. Let's resolve to following his command, walking in step with the Spirit, and letting him guide our decision in our hearts. So no person apart from Jesus shaped the history of Christianity like, like Saul, and, uh, and later as he was known Paul. Perhaps he originally had a different expectation of how influential he would be in the course of Christianity for negative reasons. But even before, you know, even before he was a believer, his actions were significant. But his personal encounter with Jesus changed his life. He never lost that fierce intensity, but he channeled it to, for good uh, for the advancement of the gospel. So why don't we stand as we, as we come to finish, if you're able. I think there's one response today that we, as we finish up. And it is just simply, if you are here, and you want that fresh start, as has, already been, as has already been mentioned this morning. You want to resolve to follow the guide of the Holy Spirit and obey his commands, to recommit our lives to, to Jesus and his mission this year. If you, you don't know where to set your sights, but you are just willing to give your yes to God and let the rest take care of itself, then I would just encourage you just to um, I would say come forward, but uh, maybe uh, there'd be no room at the front. So maybe just stick up your hand if that is you. If you feel like you just want a fresh start this year, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to have been in a negative place before, but you just want to reaffirm your life uh, for Christ. Make that step, that statement this morning, then, then stick up your hand and we will, uh, and we will, just, uh, we will just pray uh, as, we, as, we, as we close. Thanks for listening to the Stirling Vineyard Sundays podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, please visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk or find us on social media at Sterling Vineyard Church.